When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Welcome to Women Winning Divorce with your host, Heather Quick. Heather brings over 20 years of law experience that advocates and empowers women to achieve happier and healthier lives. Each week, we provide knowledge and guidance on different aspects of family law to help lead women through the difficult and emotional legal challenges that they are facing. Listen in as she discusses issues including divorce, custody, alimony, paternity, narcissism, mediation, and other family law issues to provide insight on the journey of women. Women Winning Divorce. Welcome to the show. I'm Julie Morgan, and I'm joined by your host, Heather Quick. Good morning, Heather. How are you today? I'm doing great, Julie. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Narcissism. We are back on this topic because there's a lot to talk about. There is so much to talk about that we really could go on for weeks. I know we're trying to hit the highlights, but some things just, you know, need more discussion and some things just, you know, bring up more questions. So I'm glad that we are continuing on this topic because I have no doubt listeners from last week are like, oh, you know, wanting more and probably have had so many questions stemming from that last episode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know what? It was very early on in the last episode that we realized this is going to take a few weeks as far as this topic is concerned, because there's so much to cover. Yeah. So why don't we you give us a quick recap of the characteristics of a nar- narcissist? So, you know, there's so many ways you can classify a narcissist, but at the root, and also I want to preface it by saying, you know, it it goes to the pathological side. We're not talking about, you know, somebody who, you know, is kind of vain. I, I mean, that's one of the things, but everything here we discuss really goes to the extreme. And so they have to be the center of the attention and to the point that they will belittle you around them kind of to create a sense of importance and, you know, more of a spotlight on themselves. And they have a very high opinion of themselves that might partly be true. You know, like I said, this, there is a part of it that drives a narcissist to be very successful. Um, But again, it's, you know, goes on the pathological side and they're extremely controlling, you know, over everybody in their life. And they really, can be quite charming as well. Like there's a lot of things that you would think as you begin to hear the characteristics, oh, that doesn't seem that bad. And that's why we talk about how it tips over to the other side. Okay. And you know what? I I like the way you clarified the fact that this isn't just one trait. It's not just one thing, you know, someone is, you know, has a a sense of vanity about them or, or um, they may just be controlling. It's, it's a list. It's all of these things um, together and a pattern of these things as well. Correct. And, and to the point, the biggest part is they really treat the woman, the partner in their life as a possession and something with which to control. So it's something that 
typical, like, you know, think of it, it's nice piece of jewelry or your nice house. It's another piece of what makes them in their mind, this, you know, perfect package. So you're part of a part they're playing and that's why they expect you to be a certain way and they want to control everything about you. Oh my. Are there any characteristics that we did not get to last week? You know, I I don't think that we really dove into the isolation slash control and what I think we mentioned the gaslighting, but I don't think we really dove into it last week. I think we may have touched on it a bit. Okay, so let's uh, talk about those today, definitely. When we talk about isolation, I mean, does this mean just totally cutting me off from my family and friends? There, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the answer is yes. And it doesn't happen, again, remember, just like a switch, because most of us would be like, you know, I, I just met you, like you're telling me I can't, you know, talk to my parents or my friends. This happens slowly and truly methodically over time. And what women will say, in my experience, you know, they come in and they're like, I, I just have no connections. It's like over time, now we never go visit my family. They don't come over. We can't go see them at Christmas time. I never go out with my friends. They're, you know, so all of a sudden they feel very alone and isolated. Okay. And I know I always get ahead. I really wanted you to touch on that one because it just seems like that is kind of dangerous as well. But we're we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into that just a little bit more. Talk to me about the narcissist abuse cycle. You mentioned earlier there's a pattern that they follow. Yes, and so you know, and we've done the research as well to kind of look at hey, what are the mental health professionals? You know, what are experts out there saying about it. And so what we have found is really within this cycle, there are about four stages, idealize, devalue, discard, and, you know, hover. Okay. All right. So let's take these one by one. Idealize. What does that mean exactly? Well, and this is this is why it's so startling to women later on because this is the first phase. And there the you know, and of course we always talk about we're talking about this from the standpoint of the male narcissist, which they really are percentage-wise that more men are narcissists to this level than women. Um and you know, this is when the women get sucked into what they think is the perfect relationship. They are flattering you. They're giving you so much attention, gifts, flowers, just really fawning over you to the extent that you are, if you're susceptible to this and, and attracted probably to them, you know, you're going to fall for it hook, line, and sinker. Okay, so I mentioned, all right, and I, like I said, I'm, I, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I try not to get ahead of everything. But this is also seems like this is the stage when they start the isolation process. Yes, in a way, though, that is flattering. Well, they want to be with you. 
well, you know, oh, I have, you know, I'm going to see my friends or we have it. Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss you so much. And I really, I bought tickets to this concert tonight. Are you sure you can't go? I'd love for you to go. So see how that seems, well, innocent in a way, or, oh, well, I'm going to even work out. Well, that's when my yoga class is. Oh, let me go. I'd love to go. I've always wanted to try that. And, you know, when you're new in a relationship or you're like, oh, wow, that that's different. They want to be with me. They want to try something that I like. So see how that could not really be noticed as anything bad. And, I mean, and I just want to be clear. And And sometimes it's not, but that is why this happens so often. And all of a sudden one day, you know, you wake up, you're like, what has happened to me? What has this person, you know, really orchestrated? You don't even realize it. I know I said this multiple times last week, but you don't even realize it. You really don't. And and that's where, you know, again, and we always say this, but I think it's so important, you know, as you're listening to this, the last thing I want anyone to feel is shame, embarrassment at all. This should be, it, it could be really a painful revelation, um, but you, you know, you recognize it and you may even say, and hope maybe you're out of a relationship like that, but you're like, oh yeah, I was in something similar with somebody like that. Okay. All right. So, because I think I could probably stay on this one for a while, idealize, because this is where it all begins. Yes. And, and the relationship typically moves fast. And, and that's part of that. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Let's go here. Let's. And so sometimes you may even ignore a sense of this seems a little fast or whatever, you know, our gut instincts, which unfortunately, um, you know, humans ignore way too often. That's a whole nother topic that fascinates me, but I've, you know, read and listened to that a lot. You know, all other mammals and animals listen to their instincts when something is like, ah, run. And we're like being plied or no, we, we, we actually don't rely on the senses that are available to us that are telling you this is too fat. Like this is not quite right. So you discount that, but I will say you're, you're enjoying the attention most likely because if you're not enjoying it, you're, you're out, you know, so you're enjoying a lot of it. And it's moving so fast. Mm, okay. All righty. Okay. So Julie is not going to stick to one topic, one, at least not one phase. We have to go to the second phase. The second phase is devalue. What does that mean? So this is the phase when the mask comes off and now you're, you're starting to see the real person, um, but they have totally drawn you in. I mean, you are hooked, you're in. Um, and then there begin to be like these subtle changes. And that's when maybe you're gonna see, experience some of this emotional, emotional and verbal abuse. Okay. Now I think about this and kind of go back to the first one a little bit. Idealize to devalue. How long does it take to get from one phase to another or does it vary? Oh, I it really varies. I think it varies on the individuals, you know, because it could be days, weeks, it could even be years. Doubtful, like this first phase lasts for a while, but they're not going to be able to keep that up because they are pouring this attention on you, but they are the one who seek the attention. And 
really they're pouring this attention on you but obviously if you can look now say if you've been in that you can see but really they were getting a lot of attention they from me you know as well like they, it was still feeding that need of their you know self-importance um in in the devalue part you know it's you know could you know peak and then go back because that's what you know somebody who's abusive does you know they're going to treat you bad but then oh you know make up for it apologize and just kind of keep you on really a roller coaster whirlwind like did they really say that are they did that really happen because look at how wonderful this person is again you start wondering like you you, you really are in a situation where you don't even trust your sense of this is right this is wrong Hmm. Okay. And that's the pathological part, which is scary. It is scary because they are very skilled at this and they are really manipulating you. They are manipulating you to the extent that you really begin to doubt your own, um, you know, like judge of character. You know, you really do. You're like, gosh, what? what is going on here? And then they're going to apologize and then, you know, tear you down again. So your self-esteem begins to suffer and really what they want, like think about that idealized, they've put you up on this pedestal and now they're uh, ruin you, but then they can shower you again with love and attention. And so, you know, I mean, you're in the relationship because it is meeting some kind of need of yours. Um, not the negative side, but the positive. I mean, I just, you know, as a human being, I think that's fair to say it's not casting any blame, but if you've ever been in that relationship or you are in that, the sooner you can say, Hey, I can recognize what this fed in me. So you just don't get into the same one again. I, I mean, you can kind of fall for these kind of guys again and again. Mm. So when we talk about the second phase of devaluing a person, it's insult, it's blame, it's shame, accusations. This is just horrible. It is. And it's they're twisting your words. So again, you're doubting, you know, did I say this? Because think about this. They are treating you like this, but they're making it your fault. Remember the narcissist, they yeah. never take responsibility for themselves. So this is when you're going to really start to question your sanity and doubt yourself and wonder what is going on. How is it my fault, you know, that this happened and why is he treating me and talking to me so badly? That's where then it really starts to get into your psyche. And, you know, I think about that. And if if you are you are aware of what's happening, if you've, you know, possibly listened, you know, to this show and this happens to you in the future, maybe hopefully at this stage, you may get someone that will help you and then they can tell you, hey, this isn't right. They can help you in that direction. Correct. Because you're in it like by the time you're at even any of these phases though you're you're really entrenched because that's their goal they want you relying on them they have moved in you've moved in probably you've moved in with them or you, they've moved into your home and wanted to be on the title and now all your stuff is combined making it that much harder for you to leave 
or they're like, sell your house, put it into my house, move in, you know, and all could be seeming, wow, this is wonderful for their friends and family on the outside. They may think, huh, this seems a lot fast, maybe too good to be true. Are you really sure about this? That's when that separation, which we're not there yet, but like that isolation part, you know, because they aren't in this relationship. The narcissist isn't, you know, winning them over. So on the outside, they're like, this is kind of fast, Julie. Are you sure you want to sell everything you own and put it into the remodel of their house and move in after, you know, two weeks of dating? And I'm being, I'm exaggerating, but see, and then you're like, oh my gosh, why would you say that? I love him. He's so wonderful. He treats me so great. And then you're not going to want to talk about him as much to them. He's going to shower you with, oh, they just, they're just jealous. They don't understand our love. You know, I mean, these are like pretty textbook things, but it works because we're somewhat, you know, acting on the emotions, definitely not acting on rational thought. And he is warping all of that so that you really aren't, even if you're trying to think you're doubting yourself, you know what I mean? And it's just, that's where it does get to be so, you know, pathological and, and really kind of eerie because this is the pattern and this happens over and over and over again to women all the time. Okay, we definitely need to talk more about that, okay? We definitely do. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney for Florida Women's Law Group. We're taking a quick break here, and when we return, we're going to talk about phases three and four. Stay with us. Welcome back to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney for Florida Women's Law Group. All right, Heather, we're talking about the narcissist abuse. I can't even say it. You know what? I shouldn't be able to say it. This is just bad. The narcissist (laughs) abuse cycle, right? So we've talked about phases one and two, idealize and devalue. And quite honestly, based on all the things that you said in the first segment of the show, we could keep talking about that. Um, But we're going to move along. Phase three. What is phase three? So phase three is discard. Okay, so this is really the hardest emotionally because from your pers- from the, the woman's perspective, it just comes out of nowhere. You think things are fine and then maybe you get a text or phone call potentially ending the relationship in a very cold and callous way. Now, and that can happen. Maybe the narcissist feels they're done with you and they're just moving on to another source of energy. However, what I see more common, because that's more of like maybe a relationship that doesn't go, you know, to the long-term relationship of the marriage, because most narcissists, what I think is they use it in a different way, um, which is like the silent treatment. And so they just ignore you. Like they'll come home and they just won't talk to anybody. And it is creepy and it is weird and mean. And this can go on for days, weeks, sometimes even months. And that is obviously very, you know, emotionally abusive. Bizarre, I know, but it is, it, it's real for sure. That does something to you mentally as well. Right, because you're like, what did I do? What did I do? Why will they even speak to me? 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's just a breakdown mentally. There's a breakdown emotionally. And, you know, I, I wonder when they see this, how do they feel? You know what I mean? Do they really get this sense of power? And that, that's sick. You know what I mean? So I think about this. It's emotional. It's mental. I mean, this is really doing a number on you. It really is. It is. And they then, because then, then what does that do? Now they are really controlling you by then they've watched you break down. So maybe it just depends on the person. They might be like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'll let you come back. Like, you are like, I didn't even do anything. And then maybe I'll take you back again, continuing on this cycle because they see, oh, I do have such control. Like they are falling apart. Well, now I am the most important thing. Um, so it is, it, it's not, obviously we've talked about, you know, a normal relationship is extremely dysfunctional. And most of the things they do are to feed their ego, give them that sense of power and control over a human being. You're not in a relationship with this person. You are, but you're not a partner with them. You are a part of their, I mean, it's like property. You're like one of their props, let's say. That's the way I think their mind looks at it. So then if they're like, ah, no, I don't think I want you anymore. But then maybe if you give them all this attention, yes, I do. Or they do this silent treatment and then it really drives you crazy. You're like, why won't you talk to me? What have I done? You're like assuming you did something. And so now they'll tell you. And then you're, you know, obviously trying to please them even more. And so they kind of, you know, really get a thrill from that, that power sense. You know, something you just said is interesting, how you basically said that these things or these phases, they really overlap because in we're on discard and you said that, you know, they, they may start to make you feel, hey, that you're the greatest person in the world because of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you, but then they start to make you feel good after they've said, I won't talk to you. This is going back to the first phase, which I mean, is to idealize. I mean, so they really all overlap. You, they could go back from phase to phase. Indeed. And and it's a similar, you know, there's, and, and I don't know if we've talked about, but there's a lot of literature out there and, and research, you know, the, the cycle of abuse from, and that's specifically the physical, the domestic violence, but it, it's a very, it, it follows in that way that things, you know, kind of go in a circle back and forth because it's manipulation. If you are in a relationship that's not manipulative, you just go on back. Okay, yeah, fight, whatever, get back, figure it out or not, and, you know, move on with your life in the normal course of things. But this, you're going to see things repeating and repeating because it's not a normal, functional relationship. It's so dysfunctional because of where they're coming from that they keep you on almost this tailspin. This is just like you just don't ever know. What's going to happen today when they come home? You'll hear the phrase, I think a lot, I've heard it a lot, um, where the woman will say, you know, we feel like we're walking on eggshells at the house because you don't know if he's just going to lose it and then not talk to anybody. And so 
he has this power because now he's actually questioning you're making you question like your own self in your house like am i gonna make him mad how do i keep him nice you know what am i gonna say is that gonna tip him off so that's like a lot of control mm. okay so after discard there's hovering all right what is that well, so they don't ever really leave, you know, it's kind of when they suck you back in. So they might say, I'm over, you know, um, I'm not interested in you. Or even if we look at that silent treatment, they'll bring you back again, because it's this pathological control and maybe they do this whole crying. I love you. I'm so sorry. Fake promises again, right back to you know the idealized but it's in a way it's like they haven't really gone away because if they think that you have left they're going to do whatever it takes to get you back and they're going to make promises we see this a lot in the divorce process well he says he's going to do this he says he's going to do that and it's like well you know that's not what their lawyer's saying and that's not the reality of what is actually happening you know, so they're just still trying to manipulate the situation. And whether they really want you back or not, I don't know. But um, they're going to continue to manipulate and try to get you back. Again, exert control. Because even if they're the ones that broke up with you and you've moved on and you're like, okay, I'm done. They, it, it's so, you know, sick. They're, they, well, let me see if I can get her back. Hmm. Okay. So just when you thought they were gone, they come back. Kind of like a fly at a picnic. Exactly. And, you know, and that's why you, the more you understand about yourself in this relationship, you may never understand them. And that's really not as much the point as understanding yourself so that you don't get sucked back in. You know, understand you can control your emotions. You can understand why you were susceptible, why you began the relationship. And the more of that I believe that you can do, the more you can prepare yourself and safeguard yourself from getting sucked back into that relationship or another one of the same type of guy, because that is, you know, a pattern that um, can absolutely happen. Mm, that's powerful. It's more about understanding who you are as a person, as opposed to really recognizing these um, these signs, because what is it that you can do yourself? It's empowering yourself. Exactly. And understanding that you have, you know, once you, and you, you've got to get away from this, you've got to heal and you got to build back your self-esteem and, you know, begin to repair your confidence in your own decision-making. And, but once you do that, it's just like really, because I'm telling you, they don't all see, it doesn't seem like they're all the same. It does not until it's over, you know, or until you're in it. And then it's like, oh, wow. These were all very similar, but you know, different humans are different. You know, some things, yeah. you know, showed itself and exhibited a little different way. And maybe not, some could be more extreme than others, but I think, the value is one, recognizing this is not healthy, is not a functional relationship and getting out and then understanding, hey, 
I was at a point in my life, and this is why I think this was something I, you know, fell for or why it felt so good. But now what can I understand about the next time? Because again, a lot of that, you know, beginning of a relationship is normal. And then a lot's not. So she's understanding. I think that's the best way that I hope women can use this information to, you know, one, recognize that they're in a situation to get out, but then also recognizing maybe what was part of themselves that, that they fell prey to this kind of manipulation. Mm, Yeah. Some of this is normal, which is why you shouldn't feel bad you should not feel guilty if this is something you fall prey to because you know some of this is normal behavior you know yeah, and hey, we all like gifts and, and we all like attention yeah i mean yeah. i think so. I, I do but you know so so it's like it's not we're not talking about it in a normal way we're talking to the extreme right exactly Let's touch on, and we're going to touch on this even more in the third segment. Let's start talking about manipulation tactics. Yes. So, um, you know, again, and that's what I talked about because they are master manipulators. Master. And, you know, they're going to use this like spouses, children, friends, work colleagues. They're just really good. It's just the way they operate. This is the basis, the normal way they operate is manipulating people so it's not being not being a persuasive person but it's really just manipulating things to go in the way that you want and you know one thing like we talked about in the beginning is the with that idealized it's also a term um love bombing so now you're gonna love that um and that's like just they're showering you with the admiration the gifts the flattery attention and and i mean when you're not susceptible to this, you're like, this is a lot. Like, you don't really even know me yet. You know, I mean, if somebody is just like fawning all over you and just gifts and flattery and all this stuff, I think there's a part of most of us that would be like, like, you don't even really know me yet. Like, how do you know I'm all that great? I mean, maybe I am, but like, you don't know me yet. So you got to give me time to show you how wonderful I am, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know that love bombing. Okay. We got to get back to this. We do. (laughs) Because something you said, you said it's their normal behavior. So this is something that they do with not only their spouse or their significant other, but their children, their friends, their work colleagues. This is normal behavior. And that's again, where the pathological part comes in. Okay, Heather, we we're, we're working with it now. All righty. You're listening to women winning divorce with Heather quick owner and attorney for Florida women's law group. We're taking a break here. And when we return, we're talking more about these manipulation tactics. Stay with us. Welcome back to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney for Florida Women's Law Group. Heather, love bombing. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting, That you know what? Okay, that's a red flag. That's what that is. It's a red flag. Yes. And, but, and, you know, you're going to be more susceptible to this if, Maybe you've just gotten out of a relationship. So you're feeling self-esteem, maybe low. You're, you know, you're having, and it's not everybody having a difficult time in life, but you're, there's something that's making you more vulnerable to this that they can spot 
because you're going to respond and in your normal, you know, judgment of somebody and your normal feelings, you'd be like, this is a little much. They're really pouring on, but you're not. That's not where you are at the time. And that's why I think that it works so well when it does because of where you are at that point and you're more susceptible to it, more open to it and more willing to ignore your gut. Mm. That goes back to what you said in the second segment of the show. By the way, if you missed the second segment or even the first, you can go to our website, womenwinningdivorce.com, so you can download the podcast and previous episodes. This really goes back to what you said in in segment two um, when you talked about... um, I just lost my thought, so I don't even remember just now, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. <laughs> well, it's a lot. I don't, you're, yeah. you're, it's a, a plethora of information. And I know like Julie, you, I know the way your mind works, you got all these questions. And so now you're like, wait, I had a question, but now we're talking about something else. So I, and know. Been, I know, and it's just a lot. And it's almost like, is this really real and true, but it is, and it it happens so often. And one of the manipulation tactics that we've touched on, and I want to, you know, go in a little bit deeper is called gaslighting. And um, this is really one of the narcissist's favorite tactics, total mind control, emotional abuse. They really make you doubt yourself and think you're crazy. I mean, they're going to deny things that they have said or done you know, tell you things or that you've done something that um, make you think you've done something you didn't do to the point that you're really questioning yourself, your memories, your beliefs, you know, they'll leave the house, leave all the lights on. You come home and they're like, why did you leave all the lights on? It starts like that little basic, like, why would you do that? You know, that that's like so wasteful. And you're thinking, "I, I didn't do that. And they know they did it. So they're, they're, planting these little seeds, really making you kind of go crazy. And you're already isolated at this point. So it's not like you've got many friends or family around you. Oh, my. I I remembered all of a sudden what I was going to say. Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate you. (laughs) But it goes back to knowing yourself and trying to understanding who you are and how you possibly got got into this situation. That's that's really important. That's really what it it, it boils down to. So, I mean, doing little things to make you think you're crazy. That is, I mean, yeah, you left all the lights on. I know when I left the house, all the lights were off. Okay, so what's happening here? Yeah, and leaving, you know, that's um, leaving things on and blaming you for things that you, like, know you didn't do. And it it's so insidious and happens, like, really slow. Like, it's just, you know, things like that. And, well, you told me you were doing this tonight or making dinner. Why isn't there dinner? Or, you know, things like, and, and you really begin to doubt. Did I, did I say that? Did I do mm. that? Like, I don't remember. And that's how it starts. That's a sick game. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to work with someone like that. That is just, oh boy. Mm-hmm. I tell you. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> give me another manipulation tactic. 
So we, I mean, we talked about the, this a little bit, but like degrade, shame, criticize again. And that's typical, very textbook bully. I mean, they're a bully. And so then there, it gives them this feeling of superior. So they are going to criticize you constantly. They're going to do it in public and they're going to really make you look and feel horrible. Um, and they believe this makes them look better. So that but is you, where it's really ugly. But everyone else is looking at, possibly looking at this person saying, no, there's something wrong with you. Why did you just do that? Why did you just say that? And very often, yes, but they have manipulated you in the situation so much that you're not even going to believe that somebody telling you that, like, this is this is wrong. You're in a bad situation. You know, they shouldn't be doing this to you because you feel mm -hmm. trapped and you're so ingrained in this relationship. What is projection? Um, this is where the narcissist basically projects their undesirable or their bad behavior on you. Because remember, they're never wrong. They are never wrong. You are always to blame. I mean, you know, like they cheated, had an affair and are like, you know, we're getting a divorce and then it's all your fault. It's all your fault. Why are you doing this to me? And it's like, wait a minute. Didn't you cheat, leave and file for divorce? And now you're blaming me. I mean, if there's not a clear picture, like that is not your fault. Like you didn't even do that. I mean, relationships, but like they absolutely are going to blame you and you're confused like why are you blaming me for this why are you so mad at me you're the one who left you're the one that wanted this i wonder if people i wonder if people are driving in their cars now or sitting at their uh desk at work and they're listening to this and they say oh boy if 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 narcissism you know in the dictionary i see a picture of this person that i know <laughs> I, I would be very, um, uh, I was going to say shocked if not, if not everybody has like a picture of somebody, they're like, oh yeah, I've met that person. I've seen that person, you know, or I've been in a relationship with that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I say, you know what I said? I've worked with one person. I see several people in, in this <laughs> that I'm, you know, I, I really do. I really do. Yes. And you know, that's sad that there are so many of them walking around. Well, indeed. And like I said, there's like a lot of range, but um, certainly, you know, you see these different behavioral traits and you see certain things and it's the compounding of it that then and then going again to the negative side and the pathological behavior that they have towards somebody they're supposed to love and mm. that's where you just are like ugh, you know that and that's what's so sad um for so many women is that they are in this relationship and they don't see a way out yeah so <laughs> That we, you know, this is a question I've asked multiple times, you know, on this podcast. Why do women stay? Is it because they just don't see a way out? I think so. I think, again, we talked about denial is obviously 
a coping mechanism and yeah. fear. You know, it's, and that's why the research, you know, even on domestic violence, I mean, you're getting physically abused. Um, this is, you know, certainly mental, emotional abuse, but you know what it is in the fear of leaving in the unknown. It really does prevent you from making that step. And it's what you tell yourself, you know, you really, it's scary to do something new and different, even if you could be much better off for it. Um, you know, it, it's hard. Change is difficult for so many people, for all of us, you know, on one extent or another. It's an extreme and it's really hard sometimes to say, all right, I'm going to stand up for myself or I don't want to be in this relationship. You know, I mean, you, we can create so many reasons not to leave, none mm -hmm. of which are rational and none of which are really based in reality. But that's the way the human mind works because. There's a part of you in your subconscious that thinks, well, this is safe. The bills are paid. I live here. I know what to expect. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know what how he's going to behave. They, they, there are many women who are very, very scared of a divorce. Because think about this kind of guy, how he's treated you when you're married. They're really worried about what he's going to do to them if they file for divorce and leave. And how mm. angry he will be. And he will take away the kids. He won't give me any money. He's going to ruin my reputation. Just there, there are a lot of things in that fear certainly is based on the behavior, but they've made sure you are aware of that. You know, they, they want you to be afraid to leave. They want you right where they want you until they're done. Hmm. One of the things you just said was, was that um, they, they want to make sure that you know what's happening. You understand that this could happen and it's because it's already happened. And this is obviously a pattern. It's a cycle. It's pathological. And just think about if someone gives you the silent treatment during this time after you've said that you're going to leave, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going on in their mind because they're not saying anything and you just don't know what's next. Correct. Wow. That's scary. Hmm. That it really is. That it someone, is. yeah, that someone could think about ways to manipulate you and you end up with this, you know? Yes, it's true. And it is. And it's, it's sad. It's very dysfunctional. And it's, it's an illness. I mean, it is clearly a psychiatric disorder. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's very common. We've gone through several manipulation techniques, but this can't be all of them. No, I mean, we've, you know, there these are the most popular that I think most people can, you know, recognize and see as, okay, you know, but again, and it's part of, I mean, they're manipulating you from the very beginning with all of the attention and all of the, they're manipulating your feelings. Now they are your own feelings. They're manipulating the situation. They're creating a false reality. They're manipulating it once you're with them and the, you know, the manipulation 
can seem positive or negative, but at the end of the day, they are orchestrating this entire thing. And it's all to get a reaction out of you and the control over you so that where you just have a need to please them, you have a need to make them, you know, they're, they're thriving off these feelings of superiority. So how do you make it stop? You've got to leave. Mm. I mean, you have to, you have to remove yourself from the relationship. It, I, I did an interview with a psychologist um, several years ago and she said, it's very unlikely, like if it's extreme that they're going to really change because they're not going to recognize, they're not going to see anything wrong with themselves. They don't, it's really impossible for them to see anything wrong with themselves. So why would I want help? They'll be like, you need help. You're the one who's the problem in the relationship. You go get counseling. I'm not getting counseling. So if you're in that situation, yes, counseling is going to maybe give you some clarity on your situation and clarity on that relationship, which can then help you, you know, get strong enough to, to seek, you know, um, you know, what are your options? You know, should you file for divorce? How, how are you going to make that happen? And, you know, that's where, and certainly, you know, that is the, it is the first step. You have to remove yourself from that relationship. Hmm. But then they could be back. They could come back. Most likely. So you have to get yourself strong, get, you know, reconnect with the people that you became isolated from, from people who truly, you know, care about you, love you in a healthy way. Mm. Oh, my. Heather, we've got more to talk about. Yes, we do. Next week, we're going to talk more about narcissists and what it's like to be married to one. Mm. Anything else you'd like to add this week? Only that. I certainly appreciate everyone who's listened. And if you find yourself in this situation or know someone who is, please reach out to us, uh, you know, to discuss your options and, and what's available to you, uh, because that's why we're here. We deal with this all the time. Yes. Well, Heather, it was great to see you again. Great to see you, Julie. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Women Winning Divorce. We hope you found information to help you navigate your divorce. If you like our show, please take the time to subscribe and provide a five-star review. If you need more information, please visit our website at womenwinningdivorce.com, where you will find previous episodes and other helpful content. Join us next week as we continue our journey of Women Winning Divorce. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply.